the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome, those of you who have tuned in today to The Kingdom and Its Stories, and also uh, The Hands and Feet of Jesus, which is a video podcast on the Harvest website. And today we have Lynn Bartlotti. Is that correct, Lynn? Right. Got it right. Is Is that Italian? That is Italian. That's right. All right. What part of Italy? Uh, my father was from the southern part of Italy. Was he? My mother uh, was German, but uh, that's repressed. Um, so. <laughs> we won't go into that. Yeah, uh, that's all right. So I, I don't speak Italian, but I eat Italian. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, it's great to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you for your willingness to join us. And for those who are listening, the purpose of our broadcast is to introduce um, you to people who are allowing Jesus to be entered into them to be his hands and feet. And um, and Lynn has had a very interesting history in terms of doing that corporately and personally. So, Lynn, tell us in an elevator speech – what is it that you do corporately? Well, uh, for many years, uh, my wife and I have felt um, God's leading to work among the world's Muslim peoples, um, 1.8 billion. And um, our hearts were drawn uh, to particularly to Afghanistan and Pakistan. Uh, most Muslims have never met um, a true Christian. Uh, most of them have never read the Bible, um, heard the gospel in their own heart language. Right. Well, my hearts were burdened for that. So uh, what we do, we've gone, we've uh, lived among them. And uh, for many years on the Afghanistan-Pakistan border, and um, for the past uh, several years, I've been working to train uh, other workers and consult with um, with NGOs, with nonprofits who are trying to serve Muslim peoples in the Middle East and, uh, and elsewhere. Right. And what? Uh, so these are secular organizations. Mostly the uh, organizations that you work with? Well, I mostly work with faith-based uh, Christian organizations. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. People who feel motivated by their love for God and their love for people. Right. Uh, and and what, what kind of relief? Because of the needs uh, of Muslim peoples. Okay. So what kind of, what kind of activities um, are, are these organizations and the ones that you're engaged with do? 
Well, when we served uh, on the Pakistan-Afghanistan border, my wife is, uh, is a nurse midwife. Uh, so she worked in the o- only uh, OBGYN hospital there. Okay. I served in, in education, uh, helping to promote and develop and preserve uh, the, the uh, regional languages, um, producing materials that would highlight the beauties of, of their culture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also um, other organizations are involved in literacy work, uh, translation, uh, community development, a wide variety of activities um, that um, will serve the physical needs uh, and, and other needs of, um, of Muslim peoples. Right. Well, tell us some of the stories, Lynn, that, that have come out of your years of work. And I, I, I know you're working in the U.S. now, and we'll come to that in a minute, but but uh, give us some stories of the kinds of things that would help our listeners um, to understand, you know, your passion and what you do and, and, and how through what you do, people can see Jesus. Well, um, how to sum up uh, 35 years of ministry in a few stories. Is <laughs> that's that, a tough one, I know. That, um, that's, a, that's a grand tour. This program easy is easy, easy <laughs> questions, right? <laughs> well, well, I I can say that um, you know we found that that Muslims are so hospitable, we were welcomed as guests there, and um, the more than once, whenever things would get um, a little dicey politically, or, it's a, a very volatile border, obviously, we, in Afghanistan, Pakistan. But there would be we had Muslim friends who would say, um, "Len, if there if there are riots, if it if it seems too dangerous, you can come to our house." Wow. Wow. Refuge. Um, others um, welcomed us into their their homes with um, the kind of generous hospitality that that just kind of puts us to shame. Right. Um, sometimes the best we can do here in the states is take someone out for coffee or for or for uh, a dinner, you know. But um, over there, um, it's a it's a it's a feast, and um, we have been welcomed into their homes, whether they were. Uh, poor refugees. Uh, I can remember times in the in the refugee camps where we would visit them, and uh, these are mud and straw homes, and you'd be given a place of honor, and um, and then they would bring out um, uh, these bottomless cups of chai, of tea, and yes. bits of bread, or just whatever they had, um, and um, to 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 welcome us, um, and then of course we would have them to to our home, and that was. That was true of the rich, those who were educators, doctors, um, professionals, those working in government, as well as among um, refugees. In those years when we lived there, there were freedom fighters and the Taliban were just uh, coming into power. Um, But we found that they were open to relationship. And, um, you know, love jumps the gap between cultures. Um, We found that you know, we were not we were not military. We weren't there for political purposes. We were there because we love God and we love people, and that made them curious. Um, why have you come? Why have you really come? And we would tell them that um, that God put this into our hearts mm. to come here to learn their language and to serve their people. And that would surprise them. You love God. I can remember once just going to the store. Of <laughs> And, you know, the man said, so are you a Muslim? And I said, well, I'm a believer in one God, and I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Um, now, I, I always start off by saying I'm a believer in one God because they think we worship three gods. They don't. Yes, right. They yeah. haven't they've been told something and haven't read the scriptures on their own. Um, but then they would they would ask um, about what our, our faith was like. And so uh, many conversations. And, and by that point, he sent a young lad off to, to get chai. And there you are, uh, you know, sitting and drinking chai. You just went in to buy some aspirin. I don't know when the last time that happened to you when, when you went into CVS or Walgreens, but um, it's very relational. That never happened to me in Walgreens. <laughs> I don't think I'd want it to in Walgreens. Yes, yes. Well, that's one of the things we learned from them. We had to unlearn some things. That, um, what, that what, is what, the what, most important thing, that, that your, your, your appointments, your to-do list is not the most important thing. People mm. are the most important wow. thing. They would, um, you know, if I would go to the university for a class, if my professor had a guest from the village, the village elder showed up or some other out-of-town guest, class was canceled because the guest is most important. Wow. And wow. Um, we had to learn that and unlearn our, well, the, the kind of concern for efficiency and getting things done. Um, are are you implying that we in the West are are sort of preoccupied with efficiency? Well, with efficiency and with ourselves. We're, we yes. think about ourselves rather yeah. than the people around us. And right. I think we miss opportunities. Jesus had a different style, didn't he? He could be uh, heading to one place and walking through a crowd and someone touches him and mm. he stops. Amen. Uh, that is just um, not the way we usually do things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Who touched me? Yes, who touched me. Right. And, uh, I always pray that God will give me the, the kind of alertness to the people around me that either touch me or that perhaps he's inviting me to, to reach out and touch and ask how they're, how they're really doing. Right. You know, Len, it just it strikes me that, that what you've been telling us is that one of the most important things in building relationships is just that. It's taking the other person seriously, and no matter what you're doing, taking the time to stop and spend time with them. I remember one time when I was hitchhiking through the Middle East in, in a Bedouin area, and, um, and I was passing a tent, and the children came out, and they literally pulled me into the tent, sat me down. And the family there just fed me. And I had, I couldn't eat anymore. But before I left, they kept putting in my arms these fruits and yams and things that they wanted me to take with me. I said, I'm hitchhiking. I don't, try to take it. So, you know, I got up and walked a little further and came to another tent and the same thing happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had to, and I, in, in order to, to just be able to walk, I had to give what had been given to me at the last, at the last bed on the tent. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, something about, it says something about, about God as well. You know, the Bible portrays God as uh, as a divine host. In Psalm 23, it says that he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Amen. God the host. And um, I, I think we, we need to learn something about this God who, who prepares a sumptuous uh, table. Um, and there's always room for one more at his table. Yeah. 
That's our God. And I, and if, I pray that, that I will have that kind of heart, mm-hmm. that there, there'd be always room for, for one more in my heart right. or in my day, and um, that I would be generous with, with my love and with my time. That, that's hard to do. It's hard to, to, to think beyond oneself and our immediate um, sense of urgency. But right. it's the Jesus style, isn't it? Let me take this opportunity, Lynn, to just do a station break and tell folks that we're listening to the kingdom and the stories and the video cast, uh, Jesus Hands and Feet. And we have Lynn Bartoloni. Is that how you say it? Bartlotti. 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 Yeah. With us. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you've been willing to come on with us today. By the way, um, I just I see in the video behind you an instrument um, on your shelf back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, what country is that from? That's from uh, that's from Afghanistan. That's um, that's called a rabab. Um, it's a little bit. I have a couple of them here in the house. Another one in the corner. These are antique rabobs. There, it's the favorite instrument out there. It's it's kind of like a lute, uh, but it's got nineteen strings. And um, it's uh, it's made out of mulberry wood with a with a, a goatskin head, and, and you pluck three of the strings, and it's only got for your guitar players out there. It's only got three or four frets, mm-hmm. um, but um, what gives it this um, marvelous sound is um, these little what they call baby strings, bachi, mm-hmm. little little strings made out of metal that are when the when it's properly tuned, when you strike a note, you hit an E or a C, the baby string vibrates. Uh, on the same wa- same wavelength, one on fire, is deep um, resonant uh, sound. So right. I went to, uh, I think it was our our first year in the field. My wife bought me a cheap one for a gift, and I found a teacher from Afghanistan and um, used to come and teach me their folk songs. I wanted to learn, you know, Lord, what makes them laugh? What makes them cry? What do they right. sing? And uh, right. so I learned songs that that opened windows into um, their hearts. Amen. So do you play play today? Um, I do play. It sounds different in America, so I I tend not to. uh, Okay. It's, um, yeah, out of context. But, you know, just even the rabab as a a picture, as an image, um, striking one string and another string vibrates. Mm -hmm. Um, That's Mm -hmm. in many ways what, what communication should be like, especially cross-cultural communication. A great analogy. Yeah. Language uh, in the hearts of a people, you know that when you speak about a certain theme, if you talk about God, for example, with, with Afghans, uh, or right. about friendship, or about, about eternity, about death, they're afraid of dying. Right. You know that there's something else that's going to vibrate. Um, Those strings in our hearts. Exactly. Are just ready, you know, to be able to hear the the vibration from the Lord Jesus in the lives of the people. That's right. There's a resonance. Yeah, I love that analogy. Mm -hmm. Okay, Lynn, you're now in the States. Um, You're not on the border of Afghanistan and Pakistan. And so what do you do here? Well, um, we're now based here and I'm involved in training workers who are going to the field. I also uh, coach workers who are on the field. And um, the past couple of months, I've been serving to help uh, welcome some of the uh, tens of thousands of uh, Afghan evacuees um, that have um, 
that have left the country after August 15th and the American pullout. Um, that so why not- do you call them evacuees instead of refugees? Well, refugees is actually a, a technical term. Okay. Uh, and it implies certain uh, kinds of uh, rights and responsibilities by government and all parties. Uh, but um, so not everyone is a refugee um, officially in, in the government eyes. Okay. They have been called evacuees or most in terms of U.S. law are humanitarian parolees. Um, so it's a, it's a different way of, um, of, of viewing them in terms of their rights uh, here when they come to America. So they've been given, um, they've been given a welcome. Uh, and uh, as I said, tens of thousands of them are on eight uh, military bases um, around the states. Um, four of them are on the East Coast, uh, another four scattered or, you know, other parts of the country where they're getting uh, temporary housing and processing and then uh, being helped to resettle in hundreds of cities across. Right. And so you're in one of those locations. I have been, I have been doing that for the past couple of months. I went to one of the bases uh, to work with a faith-based NGO. And um, we were there to, because I know the language and and the culture, our team, um, actually all of them had served, almost all of them had served in some way in Afghanistan and Pakistan. And so I taught, um, I taught daily classes on um, American life, uh, American culture, um, American legal system, because uh, the laws are quite different and we don't want them to go to jail. Um, and uh, um, how to uh, live and work successfully uh, here in the States. So when they get resettled into a, in eventually into a city, mm-hmm. Now, what are the kinds of needs that they have that our listeners who might be in a place where some Afghan refuge, uh, evacuees um, um, are are being resettled? What, what are the kinds of things that um, people who might be listening today could do? Well, one of the most important things, I think, is is offering a warm welcome. When you see them or meet them, don't scowl. Let your face shine on them. And I found in many of the classes, I can remember mornings when I would be teaching, for example, on, on cultural adjustment. These are people who have been traumatized. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they've seen suffering for, gosh, almost 50 years, war and, and uh, uh, unstable governments and government corruption and violence, all of that over these years. And I know that. And so I can remember times when I spoke with them in class and just expressing my sympathy with the fact that, that they've experienced this. There's an Afghan proverb I, I spoke one day on. It says, if your hand is broken, um, you can do some work. But if your heart is broken, you can do nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And I saw, just felt the, the, the presence of the Spirit of God in that room because I understand there are people with a broken heart. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do with a broken heart? How do you find healing for a broken wow. heart? Well, one of those ways is, is for people, for us to love and to, to empathize with that brokenness because we are people with broken hearts. Sin and Satan have broken our hearts as well. And we need a savior. We need a healer of broken hearts. And that's what I would, whenever they would ask afterwards, when in class, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, having to be discreet. And, and I, you know, they are Muslims, so I'm respecting their faith tradition. 
but many of them have questions. So one of the important things for us, one, is to, to be a welcomer with a warm heart. Um, there, and I would tell them, you are welcome here. Because, Bob, I, I know that there, there are places they will go, and I say this with sadness, that they will not feel welcome. There will be those who say, why are you here? Why aren't we helping our veterans? Why are we, right. why are we bringing you people here? Um, so these are not illegal aliens. They have been invited by our government. They yes. are legal. Yes. And they've been processed. So we need to have the spirit of, of Jesus to welcome them, number one, and empathize with them. Then I think we can offer relationship where we're able. Um, there are resettlement agencies in the cities that take the lead role um, in, in terms of helping them find housing, for example. But those agencies, they need partners, churches, Christians who are willing to say, hey, I'll help drive them to the school to register. Right, right. Um, I'll help be a part of a conversa- English conversation class um, or uh, to help them get their driver's license. I taught a class on, on, on DMV. We all have stories about the Department of Motor Vehicles. Okay, here's how you get a license. And, and what do you do when you come to a red light in the middle of the night? Do you stop or right. not? Yeah, or well, just- in Afghanistan, you don't. Uh, <laughs> you just keep on going. <laughs> I remember um, a friend of mine from Honduras we were, he was his first time in the States and we came to the stop sign in the middle of the country as a four way stop. And he said to his wife, honey, honey, watch, watch. And I wonder what we're going to watch. And I stopped. He said, see, they stop when no car, when no other cars are coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then there are other laws, of course, Bob, and, and it's more serious we, in terms of, I mean, one of the, we, we emphasize three values um, almost every day when I'm teaching. Uh, equality, freedom, equality, and justice. These are American ideals. And I know we fall short. We have fallen short through our history, but these are our ideals that there, you have freedom, freedom of movement, freedom to believe that surprise, just that surprises them. Mm. One of them asked me afterwards, he said, um, he said, Dr. Lan, he said, um, I have a question. He said, if I ask someone, if I invite someone to become a Muslim, will I get arrested? Um, and if well, they if they become a Muslim, will they get arrested? I said, no, no, that's yeah. not how it works here. You have the freedom to share your faith, but you have to understand um, if people are going to invite you to become a Buddhist, a Hindu, or a Christian, and you have freedom to think, to believe, to talk, um, this is America, and right. this equality for men and women, and this is. You know, this is somewhat new for, for those, especially from the rural areas, Yes, um, that women can work, that women can take any job, that, um, that, that there's equality. And so they're, they're learning. Uh, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a learning curve. And, and I right. hope that we as, as Christians can help them with that learning curve to live in a pluralistic society, to live in a world where there are many different people at the table. And um, where we can have open conversation about the things that are important to us. And, and, so, yeah. if you if you were to speak directly to our our listeners and viewers, and you had something to tell them to help them um, spiritually, emotionally, and materially to prepare to respond to an evacuee that happened to be being resettled in in their their community, what would you say? Well, I would say to ask, ask God, ask the Father to help you to walk and talk in the name and spirit of Jesus Christ. 
Amen. To live is Christ. To die is gain because it's more of Christ. Um, he said, I want to know Christ from the power of his resurrection to the fellowship of his sufferings. And Paul was writing to, in Philippians, to a Roman colony, proud of their citizenship. So I would say to, as, as an American, um, yes, we're, we're proud of our country. We love our country. But your citizenship is in heaven. You have another citizenship that transcends all of our other allegiances and loyalties. So, yes, we think like Americans. We can't help. We've been raised that way. But, but think as a citizen of heaven. What would Jesus do? How right. would Jesus respond? And um, I would encourage us to not think in terms of political polarization and, and parties. And um, let's, let's, let's rise above that and um, think in terms of our, what it means to, to live out life with the spirit of Jesus and uh, to share a living Christ uh, with our Muslim friends. They want to talk about God. Um, so it's okay to do that. Now, we want to do that with respect. You don't get any points for being obnoxious, um, but uh, with, with love, um, with respect, um, we can share about a Christ who is alive in us. Uh, it's not a competition of religions. Um, we're talking about a living Christ. His spirit is in us. And if, if he's alive in you, you've got something to share. And if it's just a bunch of doctrine, you don't have a whole lot to say, really. Um, Actually, sometimes I think it's better if we don't share doctrine. We just, we just share the spirit of Jesus. Yes, to know Christ, it's, it's worth it all. It's worth yes. the risk of going to the Afghan border. It's worth the risk of reaching out in love to people that are different than we are. Who are Mark Maloney, thank you so much for being with us. We so appreciate you, and may God bless you and continue to empower you to be his hands and feet. God bless you. you. Thanks, man. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on the Kingdom and its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.